U.S. Secretary of Health Alex Azar met President Tsai Ing-wen at the presidential office on Monday. It was Azar's first public event in Taiwan since landing the day before as the highest-ranking American to visit in 40 years. Azar said his visit conveyed a message of strong support for Taiwan from U.S. President Donald Trump. Tsai thanked Azar for recognizing Taiwan's contributions to global health. Azar's first order of business was calling on Tsai at the presidential office. In the age of COVID, it was a meeting behind face coverings, with each person keeping an appropriate social distance. I would like to take this opportunity to express our thanks to President Trump, Secretary Pompeo, Secretary Azar, and many other good friends in the U.S. We are grateful for their continued recognition of the Taiwan model's contribution to global anti-pandemic efforts, as well as their strong support for Taiwan's international participation. It's a true honor to be here to convey a message of strong support and friendship from President Trump to Taiwan. The U.S. delegation landed in Taiwan on Sunday. Secretary Azar took to Twitter saying he was honored to be in Taipei to convey his support for Taiwan and its global health leadership. He also said his delegation had all tested negative for COVID. The particular focus of both my discussions with President Tsai and of our trip is highlighting Taiwan's success on health in combating COVID-19 and cooperating with the United States to prevent, detect and respond to health threats. Taiwan's response to COVID-19 has been among the most successful in the world. Secretary of State Pompeo said that the U.S. has wanted Taiwan to be part of the conversations at the World Health Assembly, but that China has prevented that from happening. We also believe that this situation is highly regrettable. Throughout this pandemic, Taiwan has demonstrated that it is not only able to hold the line of its own defenses, but can also assist and coordinate other countries in the fight against the disease. I would like to reiterate that political considerations should never take precedence over the rights to health. The decision to bar Taiwan from participating in the WHO is a violation of the universal rights to health. Azar's visit is seen as a testament to warm Taiwan-U.S. relations. The health secretary is the highest-ranking American official to visit since Washington severed ties with Taiwan in 1979. After the historic meeting at the presidential office, U.S. Health Chief Alex Azar sat down with his Taiwan counterpart, Tun Sitong. The minister signed a memorandum of understanding that formalizes avenues of cooperation between the two nations, covering fields such as public health and infectious disease management. Minister Chen revealed that the MOU had been in the works ever since an informal meeting between the two at the fringes of the 2019 World Health Assembly. I understand that Minister Chen has, like myself, become accustomed to doing a great deal more press conferences this year than usual. Azar drew a light-hearted comparison between himself and Chen at the signing of the MOU. It pledges to bolster collaboration in 12 fields of public health and medical work. Last year, during the World Health Assembly, I mentioned the idea of this MOU to Secretary Azar in person. Today, I am pleased that TECRO and AIT have signed a memorandum of understanding to formalize the more than 20 years of collaboration between my department and the Ministry of Health and Welfare on a wide range of issues. An NHK reporter from Japan asked why Azar was in Taiwan, and the answer was forthright. Four years ago, the World Health Assembly 
removed Taiwan from its observer status at the World Health Assembly and WHO. At President Trump's direction, I and Secretary Pompeo have fought each year to restore Taiwan's observer status at the World Health Assembly. Azar revealed the administration's continuous efforts to get Taiwan back into the WHA, which were foiled by Beijing. But the Chinese Communist Party and the World Health Organization have prevented that. This has been one of the major frustrations that the Trump administration has had with the World Health Organization and its inability to reform. He also spoke about the U.S.'s upcoming departure from the WHO. The Trump administration has hinted that it may create an alternative global body. Azar said the U.S. would include Taiwan in related talks. We are still members of the WHO as that process will take time as a multilateral organization. But after our departure from the WHO, we will work with others in the world community to find the appropriate vehicles. Uh, we'll, of course, talk to Taiwan and other entities as we go forward. Azar's visit is a major show of friendship. He refrained from promising more such visits would follow, saying only that discussions could take place. But for now, his presence is already groundbreaking. Taiwan's new ambassador to Thailand, Li Yingyuan, is set to fly to Thailand on Thursday to take up his post. He'll be bearing a gift of one million face masks for Thai hospitals and personnel stationed abroad. In a move demonstrating that Taiwan can help, the Overseas Community Affairs Council announced the donation of one million face masks to Thailand. It will be shared by about 1,000 hospitals. I believe that this heartfelt gesture of the Taiwanese people will enhance the friendship between our two nations. The masks will be distributed to hospitals and Thai nationals stationed abroad. This donation is only the latest token of friendship between Taiwan and Thailand, which have enjoyed warming relations over the last three years. Bilateral tourism flows have increased by 147 percent in the past three years. The number of Thai nationals studying in Taiwan has increased by 147 percent. Over the past three years, Thailand investment in Taiwan has increased by 10 times. There's been a very large amount. The amount reported over the last three years accounts for nearly half of the total from the last 70 years. Li, Taiwan's new representative to Thailand, will fly to Thailand this week to present his credentials. He'll also be presenting one million face masks as a gesture of goodwill toward the country. Li said the corporate sponsors of the mask donation are his personal friends. These masks are a small gift, but the love they convey is boundless. One million masks are too many to carry in two or three suitcases. To transport them, you need the use of shipping containers. We happened to be talking about the epidemic over the dinner table. Since Representative Lee was going to Thailand, we decided to send him out there with a souvenir from Taiwan. It took about five minutes before one million masks were pledged. Local reports indicate that Thailand has COVID under control, but that there is a shortage of face masks. Most of the mask manufacturers in Thailand are Taiwanese companies. Through its donation, Taiwan aims to bolster its friendship with Thailand as well as provide relief for a chronic shortage. 
Apple Daily founder and democracy activist Jimmy Lai has been arrested in Hong Kong on Monday over alleged collusion with foreign forces. This is one of the highest profile arrests made since Beijing imposed a controversial national security law on Hong Kong. City police arrested at least eight others throughout the day, including Lai's two sons and several Apple Daily executives. Also on Monday, more than 200 police raided the offices of Apple Daily. The Hong Kong Journalists Association denounced the police search, saying the new security law had turned white terror into a reality for Hong Kong. President Tsai Ing-wen has also condemned Beijing, saying China was infringing on democracy and human rights in Hong Kong. Taipei Music Center, billed as the capital's premier performing arts and cultural venue, is touching up the last details before it opens to the public next month. At a press briefing on Monday, the head of the center revealed the mystery headliner of the center's inaugural concert on September 5th. The headliner of Taipei Music Center's opening concert is revealed. It's Oweyin, the indie outfit formerly known as Soda Green. Kei Huang, the chair of the Taipei Music Center, posed for photos next to Taipei Deputy Mayor Tsai. The center is gearing up for an opening concert on September 5th. The lineup will feature big names such as Golden Melody Award winner Lala Xu and singer-songwriter Huawei. Together with Oweyin, it's an event not to miss. I'm extremely happy. Huawei will be here, and Lala, and as we just announced, Oweyin. I think it's all about overcoming whatever difficulties there are and getting together as a community. So I'm very happy. Pop music has always been subject to rapid changes, such as the industrial center, the cultural center, and the performance venue need to embrace the new generation of music technology to transcend space and time. We are certain that Taipei Music Center will turn Nangang District into the premier music hub for Taipei or even for Asia. Here, we aren't just providing a performance venue. We hope to also promote the development of the music industry and cultivate talent in the sector. It's a place that integrates all three things. The performance hall at Taipei Music Center can seat about 6,000 people. Although it's not a large venue, some say it could still draw enough people to cause congestion on weekends. On Monday, the head of the Music Center vowed that there would not be any traffic issues. Meanwhile, Taipei's deputy mayor said that flaws in the building's construction would be addressed before opening day. We are getting everything sorted before the opening. All the hardware will be repaired and prepared in time. There won't be any problems on this front. Taipei Music Center is looking to become a landmark institution for Mandopop in Asia. The facility is due to pass stress tests and safety assessments before it opens to the public. The sixth tropical storm of the year formed Monday morning in the South China Sea. Tropical storm Mekala is now sweeping toward the Taiwan Strait. Land warnings are in effect for Jinmen, which has suspended work and classes for Tuesday, and for Ponghu, which announced a half-day suspension. Sea warnings have been issued for the Bashi Channel, the sea around Dongsha Islands and the Taiwan Strait, and the north coast of Taiwan proper. The Central Weather Bureau says the worst of the storm's impact will be felt from Monday night to the early morning on Tuesday. The storm is projected to leave as quickly as it came, with no effects expected by Tuesday evening. 
The airline industry has suffered tremendously from the global pause on travel, but Taiwan's China Airlines has bucked the trend. So far, it's been the only airline in East Asia to report a healthy second quarter profit. That's because the airline has turned to rely on its fleet of cargo aircraft, serving the demand for import and export of tech goods and medical equipment. Stuck in Taiwan for months, no one can look forward to an overseas holiday. Airlines are offering fake foreign holidays to try and recoup the losses, but China Airlines doesn't have losses to worry about. Cargo makes better money than people carrying, explained Wealth Magazine chairman Xie Jinhe on Facebook. In the second quarter of this year, only 13,000 people flew into Taiwan, a drop of 99.5 percent compared to the same period last year. China Airlines' revenue was 26.3 billion NT in that period, down nearly 20% from the first quarter. But despite that, profit was up in the second quarter, bouncing back from the stinging first quarter loss of 3 billion NT. Q2 profit stood at 2.7 billion NT, representing earnings per share of 0.45 NT. The price is going up, the price of cargo services. Secondly, oil prices are withholding pressure quite well. All the demand has gone in the direction of freight, so we can see that China Airlines' profits are better than EVA Air. Thanks to its 18 cargo aircraft, China Airlines has become the only airline in East Asia to report a profit so far. She has said that with borders worldwide closed, movement of people is negligible. But cargo is still big business and its value has even grown. Many airlines have converted passenger planes to cargo aircraft. Heavy staff bills incurred on passenger flights are airlines' biggest burden. Converting to cargo was a great move for China Airlines. In the third quarter, we'll see that demand for IT goods like laptops and phones, as well as typical medical products, will be high. So the third quarter should be comparatively good. The import and export of tech products and medical equipment is good business for Taiwan. And with oil prices stable, cargo carrying could be the future for beleaguered airlines. An American English teacher in Jai City has gotten attention with his countrymen back home in Texas, publishing an article reflecting on Taiwan's handling of COVID-19. Neff Blackman has been teaching at an elementary school in Jai for six years. Now he's decided to speak up about how Taiwan minimized its fatalities in the pandemic. He hopes his fellow Americans will be inspired by Taiwan's example. Neff Blackmon is a teacher at Minzu Elementary in Jai City. Six years since he arrived, he's been adored by the kids. This year, he was astonished to see how Taiwan responded to the COVID-19 outbreak. His article comparing the pandemic in Texas to life in Taiwan was recently carried by North Texas E News. A journalist who knows our teacher Neff asked him to write a piece explaining how Taiwan has handled the coronavirus pandemic. The article highlights similarities between Texas and Taiwan. Both have 24 to 30 million residents, although Taiwan is just one twentieth of the size of Texas. Even so, densely populated Taiwan has more than just seven deaths to COVID-19. Texas's death toll is nearing 7,000. What he wrote about is the way Taiwan has responded to coronavirus from the perspective of an American teacher in Taiwan. I go to the grocery store. Everybody's wearing a mask. I go to a restaurant. They take my temperature. They spray my hands. Everybody here 
is in the solution. Blackmon admires Taiwanese people's willingness to wear masks. His pupils all wear masks in class, of course, and disinfect their hands. He says Taiwan's experience with SARS contributed to the success of the COVID response. He hopes his countrymen back home in the States will pay attention. The Taipei city government has approved construction to restart on the Taipei Dome Arena, which could mean its completion within a year. In response, two Taipei councillors on Monday filed a complaint against Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhe, accusing him of conspiring to enrich the Dome's contractor, Far Glory. Councillors say the building permit was issued despite Far Glory failing to meet Articles 97 and 127 of the building technical regulations. Separately, former Taipei Urban Development Chief Lo Lin Min also questioned the Mayor's decision to approve the permit. In reply, Kerr says the project was handled in full compliance with the law. Taipei City data shows breast and cervical cancers to be the two, two of the deadliest cancers for Taipei women, with the number of sufferers rising and their age groups falling. From August 31st to November 30th, female residents can get free cancer screenings organized by Taipei's Health Department and the Formosa Cancer Foundation. Cancer has been the leading cause of death in Taiwan for 38 years. Breast cancer and cervical cancer are the second and 14th causes of cancer deaths among women in Taipei City. The incidence of breast cancer is increasing and the patients are getting younger. This is related to many environmental factors, environmental hormones and diet. According to data from the Health Promotion Agency, risk factors for breast cancer include smoking, drinking, unhealthy diet, and lack of exercise. Women over 40 years of age with family history of breast cancer are encouraged to get screened every two years. As for cervical cancer, the early signs are not obvious and can be easily overlooked. Therefore, pap smears should be taken at least once every three years. Early intervention can help reduce the incidence and mortality of cervical cancer by at least 70%. Screening for cervical cancer in the early stage reduces incidence by 60 to 90 percent. It reduces mortality by 90 percent. According to the World Health Organization, insufficient physical activity is a major risk factor for cancer. Even walking can help lower cancer risk, experts say. As long as you walk often, because walking uses the legs, which are the largest muscles in the human body. Many diseases are caused by sitting still or aging. Walking is the most suitable exercise. It is generally recommended that if you want to achieve the effects of aerobic exercise, you should walk continuously for at least 15 minutes. In terms of the intensity level, you should feel a bit breathless. You should be sweating a bit. Taipei's Department of Health and the Formosa Cancer Foundation partnered to launch cancer screening activities across Taipei. From August 1st to November 30th, women 45 and older can visit designated hospitals or clinics for a free screening. Those who complete a screening will get a scratch card for a chance to win up to 10,000 NT. Formosa News, Stephanie Yang, Huang Pinghan in Taipei. 
After years of hard work, the Taramak clan of the Rukai tribe in Taidong's Bainan Township is generating its own homemade solar power. A simple opening ceremony was held on Sunday in this remote township where they built the simple construction from the ground up. They've now become a model community for others to emulate and hope that income from the feed-in tariff will go toward developing their community. Instead of cutting a ribbon, the tribal people here cut a branch to symbolise the opening of the Taramak solar power facility. It is high noon and also high time to generate solar power. Scanning the landscape, one notices the solar panels erected on rooftops, as well as on the ground. Plug your phone into the module and yes, it starts charging. A green energy company has been set up here with a vision of becoming part of a model community that can demonstrate to others how to harness solar power for economic benefit. People in our tribe started from applications to the local authorities, to construction, to setting up the modules, to power generation, to sales. We had to learn everything ourselves. They hope that the revenue from power storage and sales will not only benefit the community, but also attract investments from outside the village so that their living standards will improve. For two years, the township office ceaselessly canvassed the region for spots suited to the construction of solar modules and, at the same time, taught the tribal people how to install the panels and assisted them to acquire the necessary certification. At last, the tribe completed the connection to Taipower's power grid this year. If the government had never provided any incentives, then it would not have been advantageous to do this. The setup cost is high because everything had to be shipped in from either northern or western Taiwan. Secondly, you've got the high cost of maintenance. And thirdly, the power generation is less than that of western Taiwan by about 30% on average. So Thai power will have to pay a higher feed-in tariff for the energy produced in indigenous tribes and distant settlements. The tribe is asking the government to help with the development of distant indigenous villages. Despite being in a remote region that lacks resources, the tribe overcame obstacles to establish itself as a green energy demonstration zone. They hope that the government will increase the feed-in tariff and make their cottage industry self-sufficient, which will drive tribal development and improve the living conditions of the local residents.